Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by Sam Sage, Harry Eid and me, Ben Hocking. Dutch Grand Prix review. I mean, good news is we actually got a race this weekend, so we're already one step ahead of where we were last time out. And I think it will split opinion a bit, but I think overall, pretty solid one. Zambor, it wasn't expected to be an overtake fest, but we did get some overtakes in there. And ultimately, Max Verstappen in front of the home crowd, taking the victory ahead of Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas on the podium. Not a bad one, at least from my side, guys. What about you? Well, it was nice to see some action on track for the first time in five weeks. The summer break can be long and tough, but we finally got there. And you know what? Zangvoort and the Dutch fans and Max Verstappen duly delivered. What an atmosphere. I, I must admit, there are a few tracks that have been on my bucket list to go to. Uh, you know, the likes of Monza, the likes of Spa. I think Zangvoort may have just put itself on that list. And, you know, it turned into being quite an exciting Grand Prix. I'm very excited to see how the new regulations span out uh, next season. I also love that so much of the uh, the press have never had a Stroopwafel when you could get them from Aldi, Lidl and Asda. That's very English, by the way, folks. You could get them in the supermarket, a big pack for a quid, just warm them up in the microwave. They're lovely. Um, but yeah, no, spectacular. Actually really enjoyed it. And well done to Valtteri Bottas for not giving a toss about fastest laps. <laughs> yeah, I'm... yeah, we'll we'll get on to that. Yeah, sorry, Ben. I was just going to say, I think my biggest takeaway from this weekend is that Dutch Formula 1 fans will literally cheer anything. Doesn't matter. They'll cheer. Yeah, love it. Uh, someone goes in the gravel, the, cheer. Well, Verstappen comes out of the pits, cheer. <laughs> Does a lock up, cheer. Just cheer all the time, cheer. It was absolutely uh, yay. Exactly. Just a podcast, cheer. Exactly. If and if any of well, you that's are, going maybe maybe a step too far there. I don't know about that. <laughs> Yeah, oh well. my favourite one that was definitely Lewis Hamilton gets booed to start an interview. Cheer, you know that that's <laughs> the, the contrast at the start and the end of that interview. Um, yeah, it was an unbelievable atmosphere all weekend long, uh, and that's going to be part of what we discuss. We've got quite a few topics to get through. We've got Sergio Perez, who didn't necessarily have. Uh, a great qualifying session. We'll be discussing how he fought back in the race and how we felt he did over the course of the weekend. Antonio Giovinazzi, perhaps the opposite way around, had a great qualifying. We'll be discussing whether that is going to play much of an impact in him and whether he gets a seat next year at the Alfa Romeo team. But we'll start off with the race itself. And as we've already mentioned, Max Verstappen taking the victory ahead of Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. Lewis Hamilton keeping him honest for the most part. That gap going between one and five seconds for the most part throughout the race. But but ultimately, too much for Verstappen today uh, as he goes on to win and retake the championship lead. So looking at Mercedes' perspective, they were in a two-on-one strategic scenario. 
couldn't capitalise on that, couldn't get the race win. Sam, from both the teams and the drivers' perspectives, could they have done anything more to prevent Verstappen from taking the win? Yeah, I think if you break this down, the Mercedes area, into three parts, you've got the Lewis Hamilton drive, you've got the Valtteri Bottas drive, and you've got Mercedes as the team, the strategists, those that live and work around the pit area. I think that two parts of that trio could definitely have done more. Lewis Hamilton, I think did everything he could. He pushed the car, he was saying fastest laps, fastest sectors, he was trying to get around traffic, he was moaning about literally everyone and their mother today to make sure he could extract something out of the performance. And I think he was doing well. The Red Bull was clearly very dominant around this Dutch track, and it suits it. It suits it down to the ground. I said in our bold predictions at the in the preview podcast that Max would win by 30 seconds. He won by 21. I know there was a pit stop in it, but it does show the level of dominance that that Red Bull, I think, had. And if you were to have two Max Verstappens in that Red Bull team, I think it could have been very, very convincing. Now, the issue on the other side of the fact is that Valtteri Bottas, for the first 70 laps of the Grand Prix, was essentially nowhere. Uh, couldn't keep up, couldn't be part of the battle, was about 8 seconds behind after the first 10-12 laps. And then, well, it did happen that Valtteri Bottas could get involved in the fight, and they cheekily went, you're fighting Verstappen for the lead over the radio, which I thought was hilarious that they decided to petty him that much. Um... He got overtaken within one straight. Uh, I've seen George Russell fight harder whilst riding on the back of an ant against Speedy Gonzalez himself, you know. Valtteri Bottas could surely have done a little bit more, I think. Uh, I know he's on old tyres. I know it was tough for him. But come on, man! A little bit more! Um... And then the Mercedes side of things, um, the strategy, I loved the ideas, I loved where they were going with it, I loved the optimism they tried to instill in the team there, but you know, Nico Rosberg called it out correctly after the race, where he was speaking to Toto Wolff, and he showed him up, and he said, why did you bring Hamilton after only 19 laps, straight into lap traffic, where were you going to get an undercut there from, where was the ability around this track to pull that off? Um, I think Mercedes definitely didn't, exceed what they could have done. They didn't extract the the most out of this race that they could have. Um, So I think that Hamilton maybe was let down a little bit by his teammate and by um, the Mercedes strategists. I mean, they were very close. I'd say they achieved maybe 96% of what they could have done. Uh, But I do think that maybe they could have challenged just a little bit more. But Verstappen was, was bloody awesome today. You know, he was absolutely incredible. He was on it all race long. The man knew what he was doing from start to finish, and I have to commend him for that. He was an incredibly different, difficult opponent to beat, and he showed up Mercedes, I think, a little bit. I think Hamilton was the only person that came even remotely close to being on that same level. So, yeah, Mercedes could have done more, but I don't think Hamilton himself could have done more without the assistance. Harry, we've, we've seen the Mercedes duo take advantage of a two-on-one scenario before, couldn't do so today. So from your side, do you think there was anything more that the drivers or the team could do? Yeah, I mean, I think firstly, and Sam alluded to it at the end, I think it's Verstappen won the race rather than Mercedes lost it. I think Mercedes are quite, they threw almost everything at it to beat him. But um, yeah, he was pretty difficult to stop. Um, I think the couple of issues for Mercedes were, uh, again, Sam has pointed this out, Bottas was, was just too slow for that strategy to work as effectively as they'd hoped. Um, you know, he he dropped quite far back to start with, which obviously they then used him for that one-stop uh, blockade tactic against Verstappen, but the blockade lasted for about a lap um, because you know Bottas's tyres were gone and he didn't have the pace anyway. Um, so that you know that didn't really work in their favour. I think if Bottas had been a bit quicker, then they could have you know it puts it puts more pressure on onto Verstappen and Red Bull. Um, and yeah, they're, they're dropping it. They're just a in a title fight, and Mercedes is still absolutely brilliant. But you, we we have seen a couple of times this year they don't. They may not be used to it. There's a couple of little little cracks that come in in terms of strategy wise, and yeah, they they'd kind of teed it up for Verstappen to try try and uh, uh, have Bottas within Verstappen's pit window. That didn't look like it was happening because you know Verstappen turned the wick up. Um, and as soon as that happened, they just pit Hamilton. It was almost a slight panic pit um, to try and get an undercut. But, you know, they've got the data to see where these other cars are on the track. It was clear he was going to come out. If it was clear he was going to come out behind Ricardo uh, and, and Russell, I think it was, then why, why did they do it? Um, and if anyone was watching Nico Rosberg on Sky, I hear that's what he was grilling Toto about. So, yeah, there's a couple of slight... Uh, 
one one error, one one problem they couldn't really deal with on that one. But you know, I think Mercedes probably would have fancied their chances strategically going into this this race, and somehow it's not um not not worked out. And the kerfuffle at the end with the fastest lap. Why I don't quite understand why they brought Bottas in anyway. Um, I know it's to get maybe him out of Hamilton's pit window, but they even held him in the pit a bit longer. I think to give Hamilton more of a gap. But yeah, I mean, for in the Bottas's defence, he must have been like, "Well, this is for the fastest lap, obviously." And then they're like, "Nah, no, it's not. It's not for you, mate." And it just it's it, Hamilton already had the fastest nah. lap. I don't think Verstappen was nah. going to go for it anyway. Why do they need to do that? It's just it just seems to create a bit of a unnecessary confusion and tension that you know they don't need to do that. So um, yeah, like I said, I think it was a of a step and won, won this rather than Mercedes lost it. But they there are a couple of things in there they didn't really help themselves with. Yeah, and we'll discuss the uh, the Bottas incident at the end of the race in a bit more depth in just a moment or two, but. Yeah, looking at what Mercedes could have potentially done, because it's the ideal scenario, well, not the ideal scenario, but they want to have these two-on-one scenarios. Of course, they want it to be first and second versus third to start the race, rather than first versus second and third. But ultimately, the two-on-one scenario definitely goes in Mercedes' favour. And it's been a problem for Red Bull for a long time now. They still haven't quite been able to to nail this second driver down where they are consistently backing up Max Verstappen. So they had a sniff of an opportunity here. Max Verstappen did everything he needed to do in the first instance, off the line, no problems at all, didn't get bogged down, went into the first corner in the lead. That was really, that was a big check, you know, against his name and he could go on from there. To look at Hamilton's race in the first point, what what I'll do is very similar to what Sam's done here. I, you know, separate it out into three different elements, the, the Mercedes strategy, Bottas's race and Hamilton's race. Hamilton, yeah, he did everything he could do there. I don't think he could realistically do much more. The only thing, and this might be nitpicking, is that he could have stuck on the back of Verstappen in that first stint a little bit more. Outside of that, really don't think there was much he could have done there. From Bottas's side, it was it was disappointing. Now, I will, I'll get the positive in here because there needs to be some form of positive to outweigh the negativity coming from Sam Sage, but unfortunately, most <laughs> of it is justified. Um, Sorry. Reg- regardless of what Bottas did, it was a darn sight better than what Perez did. So from a Mercedes versus Red Bull perspective, you know, it's looking good from that side of things. And we'll get onto Perez as well in a bit. But just looking at Bottas, his race in isolation... It, w- it could have worked because Mercedes did what they needed to do from a strategic standpoint. You know, they, they made that blunder, and I'll, I'll talk about that blunder in a minute. But in terms of the overall strategy, two stop one driver, one stop the other driver, make one go long, potentially playing to a safety car, making the overtake happen on circuit rather than in the pits. They did what they needed to do, but Bottas just did not have the pace in order to execute it. He was, what was it, like 10 seconds behind when Verstappen came into the pits for the first time. That, that's not really, that's not acceptable. It, it's got to be less than that. It's got to be five seconds. You've got to make him work for that overtake. And if if, it, if that doesn't work, then, then, then so be it. But you've got to make him work for the overtake. When they did meet each other on track, which was far earlier than what it should have been, Valtteri Bottas makes that error going into the um, the chicane towards the end of the second sector. Again, I- I'm not sure. Verstappen might well have got past anyway going into turn one. I'm not too sure, but it made it a lot easier for him. That error basically put Verstappen one or two temps behind Bottas. Thank you very much. Up the inside, and that's it. If he had not made that error into the chicane, then maybe... Verstappen has to work a little bit more. Maybe he has to make that overtake in the braking zone, at which point you're asking questions of him. It it didn't work out for him. And ultimately, it's never a good sign when your teammate can pit for a second time when you've only pit once and he still comes out ahead of you. That's that's never a good sign. So Bottas's pace just wasn't, it just wasn't on it. Uh, and it's disappointing as well because in terms of practice, you know, Lewis Hamilton didn't even do FP2, but in terms of the other practice sessions, Bottas looked fairly good. Qualifying, he didn't hook up that last lap, but until that point, he wasn't far off Hamilton as well. I mean, I mean he was ahead of Hamilton after the first runs in Q3. So it's not as if the pace from the previous sessions 
showed that this was going to happen. But on the day, even when he was on like 10 lap fresher tyres when he came in for his later pit stop, he was essentially just matching the times of Verstappen. He wasn't eating into the gap in the same way that Verstappen did to Bottas when the roles were, were reversed. From a strategic standpoint, therefore, I think Mercedes, one blunder aside, did a pretty good job. You know, they... I think overall the only thing I would question them on is why did they pit him on that specific lap, putting him into two cars in terms of traffic? Realistically, leave it one or two more laps, get ahead of those guys, and fine. I don't actually have a problem with them pulling him in early because when you're in that position that he was in, you have to be the one to make it happen. They had to be the ones to say, okay, we're taking the initiative here because, because let's face it, if they didn't do that, we would all be sitting here saying, well, they didn't risk it. Why didn't they risk it? They had nothing to lose. They just didn't pick the right lap to do it. They should have just waited another couple laps, which, yeah, I think is a blunder on their part. And you're right in what you say. When when things are closer, the strategic, uh, real, you know, the strategic rigidity of Mercedes that seems unbreakable, suddenly they are making errors this season. So I, I think they overall, apart from Bottas's pace, did about as good as what they could do out there. And Verstappen did do a wonderful job. Sam, from your side, looking at that Valtteri Bottas late pit stop, quote-unquote, not going for the fastest lap, purple sector, purple sector, slowed down in the final sector, but not by enough to prevent him to get that 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 fastest lap. Hamilton, of course, took it back. But what did you make of this? Did you make of it as he's got nothing to lose? The decision is made that he's gone? Do you think this was petty? What, what, what do you think was going through the mind of Valtteri Bottas? I think over that course of a 1 minute 12 lap time that Bottas put in, you can almost see his mental state changing as from leaving the, the pit lane and doing his outlap to starting the fastest lap to then slowing down in that final sector of that lap. He kind of left the pit lane and was going, well, this is for the fastest lap attempt, right? You know, I, I'm yeah, that makes total sense. I'm The team are behind me here. Cool. He's got the acceptance stage. He's moving on. Good stuff. And then he started to put his foot down on the outlap to get the tyres into the right condition, get the battery charged. And the team have come on the radio and gone, uh, no, Valtteri, this is just for safety reasons. This is not fastest lap. Don't go for the fastest lap. And he's gone, hang on a minute. That doesn't make any sense. I'm angry now. And then you see the double purple sector. And that's the angry purple sector phase of Bottas's period. And then he crossed that second sector time. And on the mini sectors, you start to see yellow, 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 yellow of Bottas trying to slow the car down. Didn't really try hard enough, did he? Had a whole sector to get the time back under wraps. Um, and he, he still managed to get it. I think at that point, he had panicked and gone, hang on a minute. Is that my Mercedes drive over? Have I just annoyed the last few people in the team that might might like me? Um, which then, of course, forced Lewis Hamilton, the man who was two seconds behind, into another pit stop. And you, he openly said in the pit lane, come on, guys, I need that extra point. Um, and he does. Bottas is so far out of the fight, unfortunately, that he needs that extra point. And it was silly, as a team overall, to take that away from him. Bottas is once again, as we saw in Spain, I think it was, doing too little too late when it, when it comes to him. His momentary whims of... I'm going to now take the fight to the team. I'm going to be the one that is going to be selfish and try and own this. And it doesn't really pay off. It doesn't really work for him. And I think in the background of the uh, the podium shops, I could definitely see uh, one of the Mercedes mechanics carrying the cardboard cutout and the artwork of George Russell from the Williams down to the Mercedes end of the garage to just roll over the top of Bottas's face on the uh, on the pit garage because unfortunately Bottas regardless of what you were doing there that performance wasn't good enough you were randomly on it but they're not on it um, you didn't listen to the team but they did listen to the team it's not what Mercedes need and I do wonder that if they had a fully motivated George Russell who was willing to play second fiddle to Hamilton this season um, as almost a part of a contract as a commitment would they be closer would they be able to execute the strategy more cleanly Bottas, for the whole race, was not with it. And then on that fastest lap attempt, that pit stop, it was a mess. It was bizarre. I don't really know why they did it. Um, they should have just kept it easy. Bottas had such a gap, it was very confusing. And then in the interview afterwards, after we all heard the radio, and he knows we've all heard the radio, he goes, uh, um, uh, yeah, the fast slap, I did go for it, but then Lewis took it anyway. That's how that should go down. Um, it was all very, very strange from a, you know, this many time world champion level team to make this kind of blunder in the public eye. So, um, yeah, I feel a little bit for Bottas, but he also hasn't helped himself. He just has not been good enough. And unfortunately, this kerfuffle, this confusion, which looks bad on him again, I think, um, 
has not gone his way. So, sorry, Bottas. I think that might be curtains. I wouldn't be surprised if by Monza we have the announcement. Such a love affair, you and Bottas, isn't it? I genuinely love the guy. I just don't love him in that car. I just, you know, he's, he's a bloody lovely person. He's just not doing what he needs to do. I love him. He says, basically stabbing him in the neck. <laughs> I love you, Valtteri. <laughs> bang, bang. Career over. Harry, what do you think that was going on in Bartas's mind here? What, how do you think he played it? Um, well, I think the curtains have already uh, been drawn. I mean, they, I think that's part of the reason for for this uh, for this weird scenario we saw in the in the last race. So in the last few laps, sorry. Um, yeah, like I, said, like I said earlier, I don't really understand why they did it because Hamilton already had the fastest lap. Didn't look like Max was going to go for it anyway or be able to. You know, Hamilton set that fastest lap straight out of the pits and Max was on some fairly worn hot tyres then so I don't see how he would have done it anyway um, yeah I, I think the whole thing for me is it, it illustrates what could potentially become a, 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 yeah, a longer term but for the rest of the season an issue for Mercedes if you if you have a Bottas who that he, know, he, they, he knows where he's not there next year I think I think that's from all the conversations we've heard over the weekend I think it's fairly clear that that announcement's coming uh, this week or in the lead up to Monza, so they now face the the risk of a demotivated Bottas who's not that prepared to play the team game. Like he's playing it a little bit here, like he did, you know, when they kept him out, and as soon as Matt's got past, he let Hamilton through immediately. Um, so he obviously played the team game there. But when it came to that fastest lap, there was almost like something, something slightly snapped in his head, and he was like. Nah, I'm still doing his fastest lap anyway. Even if he did slow down on that final sector, he still he still he still nailed it. So, um, yeah, I just what I just wonder if that will become a, a potential problem for Mercedes as we get as we draw to the end of the championship. If Bottas is is just fighting for himself, and to be honest, if they have you know if that is the case that they've dumped him, why not? Why wouldn't he do that? So I guess that's always the risk for when you do that decision that. Uh, the bot the Bottas would, would not turn against you, but just be less prepared to play the uh, play the team game. But um, yeah, very bizarre, very bizarre uh, situation, and uh, yeah, just kind of indicates there's a slight bit of tension maybe between uh, Bottas and Mercedes uh, Mercedes management um, somewhat. So it was a lot of banter though. I enjoyed it. It was quite fu- quite yeah. funny uh, last couple of laps. It's sizable on the banter scale <laughs> that that doesn't yet exist, but maybe it should. We'll make I, one. Yeah, I, th- I think we probably should. I I'll say from the pit stop because it was a little confusing in the first instance why Valtteri Bottas even came into the pits, and they said ultimately it was due to vibrations on the tires. I I believe them when they say that because there isn't really any value to pitting him other than to just secure the third place. Mercedes don't want him taking that fastest lap, so there's no point giving him the ammo to do so. Um, so I, I think their reason for pissing him was genuine. I will say this for Valtteri Bottas, slightly in his defence here, because given he was on... I, I don't know if they were completely fresh, but not far off fresh, maybe, um, because he was on those soft tyres, I think it would have been genuinely difficult for him not to set purple sectors, because he was going up against Lewis Hamilton's fastest lap, which was on not even brand new medium tyres. So I think even I don't even think he would have needed to go for a fastest lap to get purple sectors. I think he was in such a strategic advantage in terms of tyres at that point. So whether he set off on a fastest lap or not, I don't know. He might not have genuinely set off on a fastest lap and still got purple sectors. However, however... In the final sector, he slowed down. And he slowed down in order to not get the fastest lap, we think, right? And I would believe that. I would believe that it was a misjudgment from Valtteri Bottas that he didn't get it because, oh, it's just a tenth. It's just a tenth. He didn't quite slow down enough. It was just a tenth of a second. Problem is, it wasn't a tenth of a second. He misjudged it by six tenths of a second, which is way too much to be a misjudgment. Come on. (laughs) Six tenths. You can't. 
you can't say, ah, oh, I slowed down for the final sector, nearly slowed down. No, you didn't. It was six tenths of a second. That was intentional, man. Come on. Um, yeah, like I say, if it was a tenth, I would be maybe foolish, but I would believe him. I would say he genuinely just misjudged at the end how much he needed to slow down. But it was six tenths of a second. Come on, man. Um, ultimately, Hamilton actually destroyed that lap time anyway by about a second and a half, I think it was, in the end. But um, So it all worked itself out for them. Whether this was a, um, a bit of a middle finger in the face of Mercedes, I don't know. Whether this was Bottas being bored, I don't know. But for whatever reason, it, it ended up being bored. that way. He, he might have been. I mean, he was going around for about 70 laps and didn't do much. But I don't know. Like I say, six temps is far too big of a margin for it to be a, a just a just a small misjudgment on Valtteri's part. Come on, man. We're, we're smarter than that. Um, just before we move on, uh, if Formula One can have an overtake award sponsored by cryptocurrency... Uh, or whatever it is, which I hate. Um, then what I don't hate is the idea of if you are a brand or someone with a lot of money and you want to sponsor a banter meter, a uh, late-breaking banter meter sponsored by your name here, then do get in touch on our email or our Discord or Twitter or Instagram and we will hear you out for petty cash. Thank you. Genuinely, you would have to pay us like 10p a week and we'd do it. I mean, Fanta, this is a golden opportunity for you guys. To, uh... Yeah, the, the Fanta Banter meter is waiting <laughs> right there. Come on, come on. And we we do know that the good folks at Fanta are big fans of this podcast, so they are going to be listening. Be You've got a green one as well, so we can send us green Fantas and we'll only drink those on the cameras that people can't see. <laughs> Get ready for the unsponsored banter.com uh, award next week. Um, definitely will be unsponsored. Driver of the day. Sergio Perez got this one, according to the fans. Sam, I'm interested to know whether you agree with this. I'm just going <laughs> to... How? Oh, God, folks. Stop giving people driver of the day just because they have the best car and they drive from the back of the grid. Okay? They're literally doing the, 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 the bare essentials here. If Perez had stayed in 19th place, you'd all go... That is terrible. He is so bad. What is he doing? Get him out of that car. So he overtook some Haas's and some Williams cars and the Aston Martins, which were nowhere. The hardest thing he had to overtake was a McLaren, which was also bloody struggling for the entire race. Sergio Perez does not deserve driver of the day. He bloody locked up his tyres for four years. He's been doing it since 2017 and had to come in immediately for another pit stop, uh, which doesn't help his race either. He'd probably been much further up the grid if that wasn't the case. So, no, Sergio Perez has not deserved driver of the day. Uh, if, actually, if anything, Sergio Perez has put massive doubts in my mind as to whether he signed that contract a little too soon, and maybe we'll get on to that. Uh, my actual driver of the day is maybe the person that should be taking his seat, and that is Pierre Gasly. Um, when your teammate is sat all the way down in, what, 14th, 15th place, had crashed and then retires, and you're there, 10 seconds clear of Ferraris, and you're the only possible threat if something goes wrong in the top three, the Gazman has absolutely smashed it. Another fourth place. He matches his best finish in Formula 1 again in that fourth place. He's just making that car sing. And I am so impressed with what the Gazman is doing. Uh, Max Verstappen is a very, 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 very close second. I just think that, um, you know, Verstappen just had to drive really well and he did. Uh, whereas the Gazman, I think, really extracted performance out of a car that maybe shouldn't have been there. Uh, and then Hamilton as well, he, he deserves a bit of a, uh, a pat on the back. And Alonso, for that that start so filthy that I had to go and bathe after the first lap because I've never seen such dirtiness like it from the big Fernando, the two-time world champ. But yeah, Pierre Gasly just takes driver of the day. Hashtag sausages out for Gasly. Yes, get them out, lags. Butchers everywhere. Sales have just gone through the roof. You know it. <laughs> Harry, have you got driver of the day? Um, I, um, I agree with the Gasly there. I think he has driven, he was great all weekend, but um, I'll give it to I'll give it to Verstappen because that's a I think it's perhaps overlooked what sort of pressure he was under um, for the entirety of this weekend because he had seventy thousand completely nuts 
uh, Dutch fans just looking at him the entirety of the weekend, cheering for anything, as we've already mentioned. Um, yeah, and he, and, he, and he kept us cool. He had that and then also Lewis Hamilton behind him for most of the race, which is, again, I think we, we just get used to this those two being near each other and battling, but it's, that's still a, a quite a feat. So, um, yeah, to not be overwhelmed by that pressure, I think it was fairly impressive, and he was he was calm throughout the whole whole uh, whole of the race. To be honest, so I'll go give it to him. But I agree with the I agree with what, what Sam said as well about Gas P Gazzle. Yeah, three contenders for me, and you've you've named them all, and none of them are named Sergio Perez. Um, yeah, Pierre Gasly, Fernando no. Alonso, Max Verstappen, those three for me uh, stand above everyone else. I'm going to give it to Pierre Gasly, but. I also want to just mention Fernando Alonso's race. Jensen Button picked this up as uh, describing him as, you know, a, a thinking driver. And it was such a tactically brilliant race from Fernando Alonso again, because it's not the first time this season where it's not necessarily been outright pace that has dictated his final result, but it's just his overall strategy. We were talking about this before we started recording, but the outside line was proving brilliant in, in qualifying and in practice. And then on lap point, everyone was like, nope, going to go to the inside. And Fernando Alonso is like, okay, then I'll go on the outside and overtake like three of you. Um, but it wasn't just the start as well. Let's not just um, box this just to the start of this race because he executed that brilliant overtake on Carlos Sainz on the last lap that we all got to see because the camera direction was fantastic this weekend. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> No sarcasm. Didn't at all actually know that. that happened. Thank you. Didn't actually yeah. realise he got the move done. So cheers. There, you, there you go. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, even though he seemed to be the only one that was able to grasp the fact that the tyres had to go longer than like two laps because he was he was pretty slow in the first half of his stints. In the second half of his stints, he just pulled away from Ocon, pulled away from his teammates. Uh, sorry, pulled away from the other drivers around him. And you can see what it did versus his teammate because Ocon finished in ninth, Alonso finished sixth, despite being almost, you know, wheel to wheel for a lot of the race. So brilliant strategy from Alonso, but I will say he was pit by Gasly. And I, I mentioned this just after the race because there was nothing he could do about the top three. They, it's a different class of cars in the top three. So realistically, even though he might not see it, Gasly's got to look at that as a race win because he couldn't do any more than what he did out there. He should see that as a race win from what he was he was capable of. So, well done to him. Worst driver of the day. Is it Valtteri Bottas? <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. <laughs> Hashtag, no more bottles, please. Lives on for another race weekend. Um, he was woeful. I know Perez was not good. But apart from the one lockup that Perez made, he had a good race. Like, it was fine. He did as much as he could have done around a track that was, you know, incredibly narrow and tough. Uh, there were no incidents to bring out a, a proper red flag or a safety car. So Perez did all right. He got himself back into the points and he, he did all right. It wasn't great. It wasn't brilliant. But it wasn't bad. Uh, Bottas, on the other hand, there is, you're in, the I would argue, the second best car this season. Your teammate is able to hang on two seconds behind the championship leader for the entire race weekend. And you are being, you know, they're so much faster than you that they're able to stop for a one extra time than you and come out in front of you is, is not good enough. He's demotivating and this was a real chance to show off that, you know, you're taking me on next season, this is what I could do. And he just didn't bring it. He didn't bring it at all. So, for me, Bottas is, was by far the worst driver of the day. And for those saying Geo, he had a puncture, god darn it. He wasn't that bad, okay? He was just mildly bad. So, yeah, no, Bottas was the worst driver of the day. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way of. Harry, who are you going for? <laughs> say it. Um, Go on, say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Um, I'm going to give it to uh, little Yuki Tsunoda because I know he retired with a, with a mechanical issue, so that's obviously not his fault. But when uh, And, again, caveat this with, and we've said it before, He, I think he's there a year too early, so not necessarily all his fault but when Gasly's up in P4 and you're in you know the bottom half of the midfield um it just it's not it's not a, it's not a great look and I, I feel sorry for him kind of because like I said I don't think he should be there this year he probably needs another year in F2 so um but yeah it's just it's that form uh, maybe it was a different driver in 
Bahrain, and now it's actually Yuki Tsunoda. I don't know. It just seems like a, a world away that race does. So, um, yeah, they just think he needs a clean weekend. He just seems to keep having spins and backing it into barriers, um, which is unfortunate. But I'm going to give it to little Yuki Tsunoda. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine if that first race wasn't Yuki Tsunoda, like a proper <laughs> Scooby-Doo scenario of pulling off the face mask ends up being Danny Kvyat. Like, it was Kvyat! <laughs> <laughs> I got it, away for it too if it wasn't for you rotten helmet Marcos. It'll probably turn out that, yeah, Yuki had COVID for the first race. They're like, oh, Danny, can you just come back for one more race? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. They're like, yeah, but can you wear a Yuki Tsunoda face mask and be him? And he's like, oh... <laughs> And please, can you crouch down all of the time? <laughs> Be much, much shorter. Oh, I miss Danny Kvyat. I'm not going to give worst driver of the day to Danny Kvyat, though. He'll be glad to hear. Would have been a bit oh. harsh on, on me to give it to him. Um, I, I don't think Valtteri Bottas had a great race. However, he wasn't the only driver that was like a pit stop behind his teammate. Carlos Sainz was as well, although I think he had a good enough race that it shouldn't be him. Um, I'm actually going to agree with you, Harry. I'm going to go with Yuki Tsunoda. I think Sergio Perez would be in contention for this if it was... if We, don't, we do this on the day. We don't do this on the weekend. But if it was the weekend, then it might well have been Sergio Perez. But when, you, when your teammate is in fourth place... And fourth place for pretty much the entire Grand Prix. You know, he qualified there, finished there. Only in the pit stops was he in a different spot. So really there was no excuse for Yuki Tsunoda to not be at least in the top 10. You know, even in the bottom parts of the top 10. It wouldn't be great compared to Gasly, but it would be something. He didn't look at any point like he was going to get points. I know he retired early, but I don't think that would have... I don't think it would have mattered much. I don't think he was looking to do much in the last 20 laps or so. So again, it's 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 a really it's a really poor spell from Sonoda. You're right in what you say. He's a, he's he's there a year too early. But with these rookie drivers, we've mentioned this before. You want to see the improvement throughout the year, and this is partly where not relating to a rookie driver, but partly where my concern is for Perez as well is that there isn't the improvement there. It's not getting better as the year goes on. Arguably for Yuki Tsunoda, it's gone literally the opposite way in that his best race might well have been his first race of the season, which as a rookie driver, you don't want you you want that progression. You don't want to go in the other way. So, yeah, Tsunoda was nowhere, so I'm going to give it to him. Moment of the race, Sam. Um, I think I'm going to steal it early and I'm going to give it to Fernando Alonso's start. Um, and then Ocon moaning over the radio about how slow Alonso is going um, was just all brilliant because you know how Alonso's mind works. You know that he he came back over the radio and was like, yeah, I'm doing this on purpose. I'm not just really slow, by the way. Uh, I just think that is pure, um, I can't swear, poo-housery from Fernando. And then he goes, and, you know, nails a P6. It's just so Fernando. It's so two-time world champ. Uh, and it was brilliant. He was so great to watch. I feel like we are, we're not seeing, you know, 2012 Fernando Alonso, but we are seeing great Fernando Alonso. And I'm, I'm loving that he's back. It's really enjoyable. Alonso effectively said over team radio, can you tell my zero time world champion teammate that I'm not actually that slow? <laughs> I can't drive the car at a normal pace. Thank you, Ocon. Karma, as Alonso might well say. Moment of the race, Harry? Uh, I don't care if Stam... Uh, Stam? Stam has stolen it first. Um, I'm going to give it to the absolute sick filth that was that turn three overtake to Fernando Alonso, um, that Fernando Alonso did. Um, yeah, I mean, on, on that point about Ocon having a whinge over the radio about being slow, I'm very glad that Alpine didn't react to it and swap them around because, you know, they could have lost themselves as P6 there. So, I mean, fair play to them for listening to the two-time world champ obviously um but yeah uh, my moment of the race has, has got it's got to be uh, it's got to be that because it was just it's just very fernando alonso it's like everyone else is doing something different and he's like well i'll do the opposite and it's better and it, it just works man's uh man's spatial awareness is insane yeah hard to argue with that one really I will throw in two more incidents, though. Firstly, when Max Verstappen crossed the line to win the Grand Prix. That was that was pretty special. The world um, not only for the 100 million orange fireworks, but um, 
also just the crowd's reaction to it was was insane so i'll say that much the other one that i will give is a slight cheat in that it didn't happen during the race but ted kravitz's uh enthusiasm pre-race was absolutely incredible <laughs> and there was one moment where he the, the camera just panned in on one random guy and ted was just like it's richard <laughs> and, and, and it was just it was great oh ocon was getting into the car pre-race and ted just goes get your lanky legs into the car esteban like does, ted does not have any Barriers. He will just say things, and I love it. Because Ted Kravitz must have been must be in this job or a similar F one job for how long's it been now? It, it must be like what, at least 15, thirty years. years? I, I, no, it's I got. He, he was doing it in the nineties. Yeah, he was in the ITV when ITV took over. It's like ninety seven. So that's a he's yeah, so twenty five years. Yeah, and he still comes across as a as a kid. It's great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, there is a video going around, folks, that Harry sent to me and Ben about where Ted finally managed to stand in some sand that he'd been trying to find all weekend. You mean Zand. And he called it the Zand of Zandvoort. <laughs> yeah. And um, he picks them up. It's like, yay, sand. And then he drops something. It went on his shoes. And he went, oh, my shoes. <laughs> um, and he was quite devastated by sand, touching his shoes while he stood in the sand. <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. It is brilliant. Oh, Ted. And a quick review of some bold predictions. So my bold prediction was that Max Verstappen would not have a lap in the top two. But well, (laughs) hang on. Did the opposite... Yeah, the opposite came true. He didn't spend a lap outside the top two. Um, (laughs) Sam's Max Verstappen bold prediction was not correct, but it was far closer to being correct. Um, He didn't finish 30... He didn't finish 30 seconds clear of the next car, but it was like 20 seconds. So in reality, it probably should have been like two or three, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Harry, what was your bold prediction? Uh, There's a lot of overtakes or something going on with yours, wasn't there, Harry? Yeah. If I'd I'd said it about the midfield, then um, I got it right. But uh, I said it about the the top three. Um, I mean, Bottas led for a bit. Does that count? Yeah, and, and, and Stappen overtook him. Kind of, yeah, I wasn't far off. <laughs> it happened yeah, once. Yeah, he needed another whole overtake, <laughs> and then another one. <laughs> yeah, he needed, he needed three different. You were third three of the way there. Drivers in the least, didn't I? Well and done, we mate. That I've had worse. Yeah. I've had ones that are far, more far off than that. Oh, you've had far worse. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. it's not a bad effort. Not a bad effort overall. Uh, we've already spoken about Sergio Perez, but we'll have a bit more of a conversation about him. Of course, he had a bit of a recovery job to do on Sunday. Not the first time he's had to do that across the course of his career. Um, went from the pit lane into the points. Got driver of the day, at least from the fans, as a result of that. But uh, Sam, what did you think? Did, what did you make of the drive? Did you think he did as much as he possibly could have done on the Sunday, at least? No, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think it was amazing. There's a reason why he didn't come close to my driver of the day. Uh, I These recovery drives, for me, don't warrant driver of the day. Unless you go from the last to maybe getting it on the podium at a track like Zangvoort, which, yes, would have been quite impressive. The worst part is, for Sergio Perez, is that car should have been on the podium. It should have been a Red Bull 1-2. Max Verstappen was so calm up front that the other car should be there to back him up. And once again, Verstappen's on his own and the two Mercedes are attacking him. And the whole point of signing Sergio Perez was to stop this happening. He's got the best car that any second driver at Red Bull has had in the last few years. Since Vettel was the lead driver, essentially, uh, and since that year where Vettel and Ricardo clashed and Ricardo beat Vettel, like the year before that, that was when Red Bull were this good last time. Um, and and Perez is, is losing my confidence race after race after race. I, I, Yeah, he made some good overtakes. Yes, he got a bit of a bashing from Lando Norris, who I think closed, you know, he didn't all of the time leave with the space, did Lando Norris. <laughs> um, and Perez had to drive a bit further with, with some damage, which kind of sucks. But no, I think, you know, he locked up early on. He had to have another early pit stop. He then had to drag tyres out longer than he should have done. I think he could have easily have beat the Alpine should it all gone to plan. 
And he didn't. I don't think he maximised it. And I'm nervous. I'm Like you said, Ben, earlier, I'm nervous that he's not showing the improvement that we expected from such a seasoned, experienced driver that is Sergio Perez. I really thought he'd be up there fighting the... Um, the front three now, and it's still the front three, it should be the front four, he's, I think he's still behind Norris in the points tally, you know, which is not really good enough, even Bossas has managed to get over that hurdle now, um, so no, Perez needs to be doing more, he didn't do enough this race weekend for me, uh, it simply wasn't good enough, we shouldn't be having the panic either, as well on the, on the qualifying, I know that wasn't what you asked, but we shouldn't be having that panic, the car is good enough, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm not filled with optimism, he's, I love him, but he does need to step it up, otherwise I think question marks should be, uh, Put over his head. <laughs> just giant one. It's just floating. a massive question mark. Yeah. Harry, Harry, would you also put a massive question mark over the head of Sergio Perez? <laughs> I mean, that, that seems slightly unfair. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, I think if he hadn't had that, if he hadn't flat spotted that first set of tyres trying to get past Mazepin, um, this race might have actually seemed a bit better. I think he probably had, to, he might have got. Maybe not Charlotte, maybe not Leclerc, but he was probably going to nab that P6. Um, but as Sam said, it unraveled in Q1 yesterday when it absolutely shouldn't have done. Um, he should have done the, obviously he should have nailed the lap the first time round. Shouldn't have had to go out the second time. Obviously he didn't even get that lap because um, of traffic, etc. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know whether I'm getting worried. Um, because I, I think there are cir- some circumstances that have gone against him. Um, but that being said, it doesn't it doesn't take all the blame off of him. Um, but yeah, he I, I just think he needs a he needs a few clean weekends just to string together a couple of clean weekends when he's up there in in the top four where Red Bull need him. Because he had he had a couple earlier on in the year. Um, I just think that well you know where we've said Max and Lewis aren't momentum drivers. I think Sergio definitely is. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not too concerned yet. And he's got the, you know, the, he's safe with the knowledge that he has a contract for next year, so um, it should be fine. But yeah, he, I think he just needs a few, few more clean weekends. Yeah, I think looking at qualifying in the first instance, I would agree with you completely. It wasn't great of uh, a Red Bull strategy to um, essentially not get a second lap in for him, but nail the first lap. That's what you need to focus on because he shouldn't have even needed to, to do that lap. So that's where I would put my focus on Saturday. We, we know that Perez has become well known, really, for these drives through the field in his in his previous days, but... The point is that he could get away with it in his previous days because the expectation wasn't for him to do much more than that. In his racing point and Force India days, his tyre preservation, going long on the first stint, it's something he, he's done a lot of. You know, extended those medium tyres a lot today. But it, it's all right in a Force India or a racing point where you're expected to finish 8th or 7th. It, it's not the same when you're in a Red Bull where your teammate is winning race after race. So... He shouldn't have been in that spot to begin with. I think overall, I I agree. I think he probably maximised his race from the point where he came into the pits after that first stint um, on those hard tyres. It was his own fault that he had to pit that early. I think after that point, he probably got about as much as he possibly could have done out of the race, but he should have gone way longer on that first stint. And it's it's very surprising to see someone like Perez, who is so good at tyre preservation, to be in that spot. And I'm not saying for a second that Valtteri Bottas should escape criticism because of the poor performances of Perez. I'm not saying that at all, but you have to put things in perspective. And that is that Valtteri Bottas, for all his flaws, was third place in this race. Sergio Perez was not on the lead lap. He lost a lot of points for the team. And ultimately, whereas Bottas's teammate is not winning the championship... Bottas is 15 points, a whole podium clear of Sergio Perez in the points tallies now. It is somewhat concerning, and I think it would be wrong for Red Bull to completely dismiss this as something they should not be worried about. They should absolutely be concerned. I'm not saying they should go back on a contract or put the panic stations out, but it needs to be addressed because it's not right. Antonio Giovinazzi did an all right job on, in qualifying, didn't he? Uh, he... I don't know where it came from, but he stuck it seventh 
Um, and he was pretty close to the Ferraris in front of him. Obviously, it unraveled in the race. Didn't get a very good start. I think he lost three positions off the start. Um, then got a puncture and his, his race was pretty much run at that point. Sam, do you think that this will have done him any good in his fight to keep that Alfa Romeo seat with De Vries rumours, Bottas rumours floating around? Um, I've said throughout the season that I think Giovinazzi's been a little bit underrated this season. Um, when I say that, I don't mean that he's been so underrated that so far, basically, this was the, the you know the, the final tipping point as to keeping his contract. Unfortunately, I think Giovinazzi has been having a good season for Giovinazzi. I don't think he's having a good season in comparison to maybe what a better driver could do in that car. Um, that qualifying was very good. Yeah, well done, Giovinazzi. You did very well. Uh, we couldn't compare against your teammate because, teammate because Robert Kubica had to come in and do a job, and I think, you know, Bobby K did fine, considering that he hasn't driven an F1 car for God knows how long now, and cars change, and it's a difficult track, but he's not got practice on either, so you can't compare it to someone in the same machinery like we have done with Kimi Räikkönen previously. Um, also interesting that a lot of other cars that usually would be in front of him clearly weren't working for both drivers, you know, McLaren were both struggling, they weren't really shoving it far up the grid, whereas we've seen Lando and Ricardo was just in front of him. Uh, both the Aston Martins are usually higher up as well. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda, he was out of the top 10 where his teammate was in front. Uh, Perez and Vettel, of course, were both knocked out in, in Q1 due to traffic issues. So I do think it looks a little complimentary for Gio. I do think there could be some mitigating circumstances there. And because of all these factors coming together, I don't really think he's got enough going for him to sign another contract for a brand new set of regs. I think Alfa Romeo could take a bit of a guess here, a bit of a leap. Bring in Bottas and bring in maybe a rookie or someone new and take a bit of a risk going into a new, a new area, you know, a new, a new generation for Formula 1 and try something out. I don't think Gio has done enough in his time in Formula 1. I don't think this one qualifying session is going to convince the minds of the many at Alfa Romeo for him to stay on for another season, unfortunately. Gio is a lovely guy. I love having him on the grid uh, and he's bloody handsome, which isn't fair. But, but... That does not mean that you deserve another year in a Formula 1 seat when they are so limiting and so rare. And I don't think it was enough. So, sorry, Gio. It was great to see you in Q3, but it's just not going to be enough for me. I've just... Um, sorry, a slight side note here. I was I was interested to see how many race starts Antonio Giovinazzi has had. Uh, it's 53, for anyone who's wondering that. So I've just looked him up on Wikipedia. Do you know what his middle name is? is it Sam. Jesus? Bob. It's Maria. David. <laughs> oh, I love that. Antonio I love Maria that. Antonio Giovinazzi. Maria. What a great name that man has got. What oh, is Italian name that is. Yeah, I was about to say, it's the most yeah. Italian name ever. Love it. Is it weird that his initials spell out AMG? Hey, there's a hint and a half, isn't it? <laughs> sorry, sorry, George. You're staying in Williams for another year, buddy. Ting Hats, he's swapping Bottas for Giovinazzi. That's where the seat's coming. We knew it all along. You heard it here first on the late breaking. We're good for exclusives here on this podcast. Don't tell us otherwise. Harry, looking at the qualifying session, do you think this will have much impact on him retaining that seat or not? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't. I think it's slightly too little, too late. And and Giovinazzi's had a actually, as Sam said, a pretty solid year this year. Um, but yeah it's in comparison to Raikkonen who 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 has had less of a solid year it must be said um so yeah look n- taking nothing away from from that qualifying effort it was a bloody good lap uh, to put it into p7 and to only be just a few tenths off um was it a few hundredths off the, the feathers is pretty mad um but yeah, I think the problem is with Giovinazzi is just slightly too inconsistent. And I know today went badly for him um, because of the puncture, but uh, as he said, he did lose places off the start, and probably that car didn't deserve to be in seventh anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think it's gonna change the mind of Big Freddy Vass uh, as Ben has now crowned him. But yeah, it was it was a, it was a stellar effort this weekend, and you know maybe it goes well again in Monza. Um, but yeah, I just get the feeling I think. Alfa Romeo is ready for a bit of change, a bit of change all round. Kimmy's off, and maybe they want to mix things up entirely. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be quite enough for, for Giovinazzi. But it sounds like they're going to keep him around as third driver and be involved with the Ferrari um, Le Mans pro- uh, program as well. So, we'll, we'll see him around. Are they all right, Maria? Big up to my uh, to my main man, 
Big Freddy Vass, by the way. Um, what a guy. <laughs> the Vaseline! <laughs> the Vaseline. Come on. <laughs> Have a day off. Greasing the works of the Formula One community. Absolutely not. Nope. So, <laughs> the reason I wanted to look up how many races Giovinazzi has done is I wanted to make the point of he's done 53 races, he's done 53 qualifying sessions, therefore, you cannot put too much of an emphasis on one individual uh, performance. However, just looking at that performance in isolation, it was fantastic. And people came away from it saying he'd done a, a brilliant job. I think people are still underselling what a job he did, how impressive that qualifying session was. To put it in perspective, because sometimes positions, don't, they don't lie, but they don't tell the, tell the whole story of how good a lap is. Put it this way, he was as close to Valtteri Bottas in P3 than he was to the guy behind him, Esteban Ocon, in P8. Time-wise, that's how, that's how it played out. He was as close to third as he was to eighth. That's how good it was. Um, having said that, and yes, he had the puncture in the race, had a poor start. Otherwise, he probably would have been in for some good points. I don't think this is going to have much of an impact. Seems as if Valtteri Bottas is going to be there. Will it be Nick de Vries alongside him? Not too sure, but I don't think this particular event should have too much of a, a swing on things, but it can't hurt. So a, a good effort from him, no doubt about that. Staying with Alfa Romeo for our final segment, um, Kimi Raikkonen is moving on. I, I, I've got to be honest, ladies and gents, I don't believe it. He'll be there next year. <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen never leaves F1. He'll be there. Um, but at least officially, he's retired at the end of this year. Uh, and we promise we're not ignoring this. We're, we're actually going to focus on this a bit more in our preview show just because we'll have a bit more time to discuss the topic at length, which it deserves considering the, the career Raikkonen has had. But we will at least mention it in one form. We've got a game which is quite possibly the worst named game we've ever done. And those long-time fans of the podcast will know that's an achievement and a half. Uh, we're going to play a game called Kimi or Kivem. No jingle, sorry. No, I, I appreciate I'm still saying no, no jingle for this jingle. one. It's terrible. I'm not, I'm not singing one. No. I'm not singing a jingle for this. I think that's <laughs> fair enough. So we're, we're going to take a few drivers, uh, put them against Kimi Raikkonen and say in their primes, that's the most important thing, in their primes, which driver would you take? So we'll kick off with this. Prime Kimi Raikkonen or prime Jensen Button? Who would you take, Sam? Um, that's a tough question, and not one I expected to be troubled by, actually. Um, I also thought that we could do the jingle to the ABBA song, you know, the one that goes, Kim me, Kim you, but you said Kim them, so it's... I thought you were going to go for Kimmy, um, Kimmy, Kimmy, your man. That's exactly where I thought that come was going. Come on, Sam, you oh. missed a trick there, buddy. <laughs> I didn't, because that doesn't make any sense. There's no me or you in there at all. Kimmy, Kimmy, um, Kimmy, I'm... Kimmy, Kimmy. <laughs> Kim them, Kim them. Dancing Kimmy, um, come on. I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to go with Prime JB. I just think um, JB's got it. I just think that Kimmy basically doesn't care after that one year he had. So, yeah, I think J JB for me. Harry, prime JB, prime Kimmy, which would you say? I love JB a lot, but yeah, prime rib. Um, but it's got, be, it's got to be prime Kimmy for me. I think uh, my, prime Kimmy in my head is 2005 Kimmy Raikkonen and... We've said it before. I, arguably, he should have won that championship, but he had a few reliability issues. Um, but he was he was on um, on a he was on one that year, um, and I'm not sure even JB in 2009 2011 would have had a had an answer for him. So uh, yeah, I'll go for prime prime Kimmy. Yeah, over the course of a career, I'd go Jensen Button, but prime, I say Kimi Raikkonen here. I, I do think in his prime, Kimi Raikkonen. Very difficult to stop. Jensen Button, over the course of his career, apart from the first year, which was a little bit dodgy, but even even then he had some solid performances. Um, over the course of a career, Jensen Button would win it. But in that few year spell, Kimi Raikkonen, I think, was at a higher level than at any point in Button's career. So prime Kimi for me on that one. 
Next one is comparing him against a fellow Finn. Sam, Prime Hakkinen or Prime Kimmy? Um, you're just picking people that I don't really like. I do like them. What? I, What's I, wrong with Mika? <laughs> what has Mika done? When I say don't like Mika, I like him as a person. I just I think that he might be a little bit overly loved in the F1 world. Uh, I'm going to go prime Mika. I think the way he stuck it to M. Shuey is, is impressive. And um, those two years that he did manage to take home the, uh, the title were, were bloody magnificent. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm going to go prime Mika. Prime Hakkinen, um, which... We have to make the point here. We might not have seen Prime Hakkinen yet because he is yet to make his return to Formula <laughs> One. But at least what we've seen so far. <laughs> Prime Mika or Prime Kimmy? Which one are you going for? Um, I, I'm going to go for um, Prime Prime Mika on this one. I think, yeah, as Sam said, you know, he, he 98-99, sticking it to, to Michael Schumacher, it, that's no mean feat. And, you know, even when he, I'm not saying this is his prime, but even when he came in to the sport in 1993, uh, well, not when he came, when he joined McLaren, sorry. Um, he had qualified Senna, I think, on his first first go, which that's not an easy job. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go for Prime Mika on that one. But, I mean, that would be the quietest Formula One pairing ever, wouldn't it? Imagine those two in a team together. Poor PR people. You could have Bottas and Kimmy if all things go to plan next year at Alpha. <laughs> yeah, that'd True. be amazing. Because as we know, Kimmy's not retiring. <laughs> Um, I, I I really think this one's close. 98 Hakkinen versus 2005 Raikkonen. I don't think there's much in it. I'm actually going to go prime Kimmy. I really think Kimmy in 05 was on one to the point where I've got him over Hakkinen. Just about. Not by much, though. Last one. Sam is returning with his Schumacher hat. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Any reason? He sucks. <laughs> wow, you got him there. Good one. Last one. Oh. Um, we're staying with people that Sam loves, actually. Prime Kimi Raikkonen or Prime Nico Rosberg, Sam? Oh, I thought you were going to say one Pablo Montoya then. <laughs> Mr. Chunky. Right, Nico Rosberg, by the way. You know, like you know that is a bit of a meme online, folks. If you follow the Twitter sphere, which is shitting, it's a very horrible place. Uh, where that graph is like angled straight up constantly. That's my opinion of Nico Rosberg over like the last ten years. It's just like that. Um, no, prime Nico Rosberg all the way, all the way. He, as much as I think reliability playing a part in it, he mind games Lewis Hamilton, who arguably is the greatest Formula One driver we've ever seen, and won a title off him. They've got the same amount of world titles. I think Rosberg has been more consistent throughout his career. I know that's what we're talking about. And then the pinnacle of his career was, of course, that world title, which he decided to go. I can't do anything more than that. Leave me alone. Bye. Um, so, yeah, Mika Rosberg, I think, is better than Prime Kimi Raikkonen. Prime Rosberg versus Prime Raikkonen, Harry. Yeah, this is a tricky one. I was trying to think in my head. Would 2005 Kimi Raikkonen be able to beat 2016 Lewis Hamilton? I don't know if he could. As as good as 2005 Raikkonen is, I don't think that would happen. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to give it to Rosberg. It's not where I saw that one going. I was I was about to give it to Kimi until I thought about it a bit more. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I think that's, an, that's another point entirely that maybe Rosberg's slightly uh, underrated in general. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give it, I'm, I'm shocked at, my, at myself by going to give it to Rosberg. Hmm. I am... Again, I think it's really close. Do I think that 2005 Kimi could beat 2016 Lewis Hamilton? I'm going to give the same answer as the Jensen Button one. Over the course of a career, I'm taking Nico Rosberg. Prime? I'll take Kimi Raikkonen. I, I think you 05... You think that Kimi could beat Lewis Hamilton? You are having a laugh! I mean, he literally did two years later, but I mean, 05, Kimi Raikkonen. I mean, there, there were some issues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, de- debut rookie Hamilton versus very experienced Kimi Raikkonen. Okay, a bit different. I mean, he wasn't very. Ex- I know it feels like he's always been forty-five, but he wasn't forty-five back then. Um, I, he was, I, what, his, his fourth, fifth year of the sport. The bloke had enough time. I, and in fairness to Kimi Raikkonen, he nearly beat Michael Schumacher for the championship. 
in his third year in Formula One. So I, I, I do think, and again, over the course of a career, Nico Rosberg wins it. Prime, I, I really don't think there are many drivers that could touch 05 Raikkonen. If only that McLaren hadn't broken down every two minutes, forcing him to start at <laughs> the back for every race. <laughs> I would be really, really interested, actually, to hear... Ben, you're probably the only person that would have a list like this. A greatest driver of all time, prime year only list. Right, I'm doing that. I... That is actually something I'd be curious to hear. Yeah. that's uh, you, you might be shocked to know, Sam, I haven't actually got that list already, but you won't be shocked to hear <laughs> that I will work on it. Please do. All right, couple of weeks' time, folks. Maybe when we're in the uh, the gap between races, Beng will present his prime list only, uh, and we'll call it Beng's Prime Grid. I don't know what. I'm, I'll come up with a better title. And a theme song, of course. I'm not doing it otherwise. Nah. That, okay, okay, fine. <laughs> I, this is the only reason I, I even agreed to be on this podcast, Sam, is for your singing. I've got the lyrics already, actually. I, I'm sure you do. Oh my god! Please end. Just wait, folks. It's coming. <laughs> it's been over an hour. We're good. I'm exhausted. Really still listening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- there we go. Um, Sam, get us out of here if you wouldn't mind, folks. If you've actually bothered to listen for an hour and four minutes of us yapping on, then congratulations. It's quite successful. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the the Dutch GP. It was quite a spectacle. Those fans, eh? Bloody orange and fun to watch. And well done to Max Verstappen for bringing it home at his home GP. It really was a, a rather special moment for him. Uh, let us know what you thought about what happened in the race. Let us know what you think about Giovinazzi and Perez. And of course, would you take a prime rib Kimi Raikkonen over all the other prime rib drivers? Stay tuned for that theme tune and Ben's special list. Um, of course, we'll be coming back in midweek for the preview for Monza. Uh, if you want more F1 chat, though, in that meantime, get over to our Discord, head over to the Patreon if you want to help us with a little bit more, or, of course, at LBreaking on Twitter. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Zay. Join the Discord. I've been Ben Hocking. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Harry Eves. And remember, keep breaking late. Join the Discord. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.